When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into 11 Personnel, Nick Roush and Adam Luckett here with you in the middle of the grind that is spring practice, where Saturday the Wildcats will open their doors to the practice facility to let fans come in, take a sneak peek of what the Kentucky football team is going to bring to the table this fall. We'll get you prepared for that, talk about what's happened over the last week, and tell you about our good friends at Monticello Bank, proud presenters of 11 personnel. Uh, They know what they're doing over there because they've been doing it for 128 years. Um, Wherever the Wildcats go, they're right there with you with the Go NBC mobile app. Let's you bank at home, on the road. And you want to come see them in person, right? A little little friendly service, a little, hey, how you doing? They have 21 branches in 14 different markets. Monticello Bank, where people matter. Uh, competitive loans, competitive deposit rates, and a wide variety of customer-focused financial service, which makes the numbers on your side of life a little bit easier. Visit us on the web, nbcbank.com, Monticello Bank, where people ma- matter. Remember, FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, Lucket, you got to get pickups with swag here at KS Office. Like, that is a, that's a sharp-looking hat, and it's big enough to fit our big bucket heads. I know that's, that's, a, good. that's a comp. It's, it's hard to find those sometimes. Uh, yeah, uh, we we can make it work with Monticello Bank. Um, how is that big noggin of yours doing? You've been burning and turning and KSR plusing, uh, grinding away. I've been, you know, it's a rough life, Nick. Uh, watch football and write about football. I, I don't know how I do it. I really don't. I mean, it's just a grind sometimes, but uh, it's a good grind. And you know, sometimes we get into a little lulls here, right? And I think the team yeah. got into a little lull on Saturday. <laughs> um, but luckily, we all have something to look forward to on this upcoming Saturday. Um, you get to see practice and to actually see it and see what's happening, see some proof of concept a little bit. I think is good. And um, yeah, uh, but there is an upset head coach. At least there was last weekend. <laughs> and the thing is, too, is we, we and I laugh because we were me and you were there like every damn day last week, right? And it was yeah. not like there was some good stuff, but not enough, nothing like super exciting. Um, the one day me or you do not go, we get we get just stoops just going off, um, oh, lit up man. like a Christmas tree. Uh, so yeah, that, 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 that's how that works sometimes. Which you can kind of sense it when we were there for pro day on Friday. Stoops kind of talked about you know not uh, wanting to praise these guys too much, right? Like they still got to put it on the field. We got to have a. Uh, I forget the what was it? We got to have a chip on our shoulder or something like that. Like he had, you could kind of sense it coming. But yeah, I have a theory on that. Okay, well, well let's hear it. You don't have to use all the expletives Stoops did um, with that tongue lashing because it was it, these happen from time to time, right? Like you can almost kind of time them up. Middle of spring practice, middle of fall camp. 
get complacent. Stoops rips their ass in, to the media. He, he did crank it up a few more notches. You know, he was dropping some words we're not supposed to say. It was a, a little bit extra on that tongue lashing. But nevertheless, like, I, I, I was not disheartened by any means. Like, I just – it was – they were due. They, they, they were they were due for one. Yeah, let's just rewind a little bit here. Like last year, Nick, there was, I think, three or four games for Stoops in the immediate press conference after the game was upset at how his team played. And it wasn't from necessarily a execution or play calling or any of that standpoint. It was very much an effort-based feeling that he felt like they just didn't play hard enough. They didn't play like, you know, he likes to say with an edge, with a chip on their shoulder. You go back. I mean, it started at the first freaking game last year after they played Miami, Ohio. He was upset about it and it continued South Carolina game. It was like that. Uh, the Vanderbilt game is obviously the big one. And, and I believe there was another one in there that I'm not getting off the top of my head. I think that was, a big issue for him. And we heard him say, maybe I'm not connecting with this group. I don't know what's going on. So I think a big point of emphasis for him this off season is that that ish is done where that's not happening again. And I'm not going to let it happen again. So we heard it when spring ball started, John Clay asked him about if they made any changes kind of to the off season routine. He said they did make some like winter workout changes to kind of drive up the competitiveness. Uh, to me, that's what – and then his statement on Saturday was really all about that. Like, we've heard Brad White talk about how, like, fun this team is to coach, right? They, they, they're very – they look forward to practice. They practice hard. Um, they're very smart. They're very into football, into competing. And we've heard Liam Cohen say a lot of good things about the offense. And there's been a lot of early – good early returns about the returnees at receiver, about Devin Leary at quarterback, Ray Davis at tailback. Like, there's a lot of good signs, but – so that that's why Saturday was so weird because we hadn't heard any of that. But to me, it was all it was Snoop sending a message to his team, pretty much saying, "We're not doing this again. Like we are going to play hard. We're going to play with an edge. We are not going to come out here and lay eggs. Um, that is not it's not acceptable." And there's a lot of talk about like the standard Kentucky football standard, blue collar. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that's that's what it was. And to me, I think the O line probably had a bad day. And they can't run the ball, and I think he probably got irked, a little irked about that too. It would be my guess of what happened. Yeah. But my, mainly what this was was we are not doing this again like we did last mm -hmm. year. This is not going to happen. And I think that was the overall kind of tone. I think that's what he was trying to deliver, at least in, from my, where I'm sitting, where my point of view and what he said in the past. I think that is a big point of emphasis, I think, for him and for the program. It's not what, what happened last year. They just can't they – can't, they don't want that to happen again. Well, and to that point, the way that Kentucky's team building kind of operated prior to the transfer portal and in all of the kind of rapid roster turnover was you had very much a identity that built up with players kind of stacking good old stale, right? Stacking these classes up on top of one another. Mm -hmm. And you lose some of that when you have so much turnover. I think there was six transfers uh, during the first transfer portal window come in. Uh, plenty went out. There will probably be, you know, three, four, five, six more um, in this second transfer portal window. So part of that is making sure you don't lose the identity amid the turnover. And then I think another part of it too, like it is, how many how many freshmen were contributors last year? 
seven? A lot. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like between Dion Walker, Barry on Brown, Dane Key, uh, Caddis, uh, Alex Safari, like on the one hand, you want to build them up. And then you, but you can't de recruit them so much that they're, they, they want to take their talents elsewhere. So I think part of what played into that as well is they might have played a little nice last year. And mm-hmm. now, uh, you know, from everybody, like if you ask about the receivers, like it's okay, they, yeah, they're good, but, you know, even Liam Cohen's like that it has to be more consistent. They got to be better because they are better than this if they show it. They got to go out there and do it every single day. So, yeah, I, I think that's where. Uh, some of that factors in as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we heard last year about, like, after the Youngstown State game, like, the blocking. <laughs> like, that's probably the maddest we've seen Stoops in a press conference on a Monday. I mean, he walked out. I think he walked out when we asked, like, he ended the press conference himself. Oh, he was yeah. so mad about he was, the receiver blocking. Yeah, because there was – I forget who exactly it was that whiffed. It might have been Dane or something that you pulled out on tape. And as soon as you mentioned it, he was just like, I got to go rip these guys' ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, so there's it, – like, it, it, is a, it, it is a balance. It was just out. a change. It was a change for this program. Having that many freshmen that could play and start. I'm, like, <clears throat> that's how teams that recruit a top 15, top 10 level, that's how they have to operate. Like, if you get the players, they got to play if they're good enough. Where Kentucky had more been stat classes develop – Mm-hmm. play his junior seniors where it was a little different last year and so that was just different um but in the long run that's going to pay off like the, that these freshmen have played early i um, mean that they banked a lot of good reps like i think like you look at the defensive line position your best three nick might be silver Dion walker and khalil saunders and they're all so, either true sophomore or redshirt sophomore so like you got a nice little potential core mm-hmm. uh there both your off linebackers are juniors you know uh, you could be pretty young at cornerback. I mean, Andrew Phillips is still a redshirt junior that has three years of eligibility left with the COVID year if he wants it. That's crazy. And then your other guys are sophomores, Maxwell Harrison and J.Q. Hardaway. And so you got guys that are going to get reps that are pretty young, and I think long-term that can help them. Uh, they just had to take some lumps last year and learn and learn the culture. And that was a big talking point on Saturday. We heard Eli Cox talk about it, how, yeah, yeah. you know, Devin, you know, Devin's going to be a leader here, but he's still learning like, how we do things, right? Mm-hmm. Like what is acceptable and what is not, how we kind of operate. And like to me, Eli talking, it was probably maybe saying like Marcus Cox is going to be a big part of this offensive line, but he's probably learning like how they do things here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How these younger guys throughout the program learning how guys do things. And that's part of the acclimation of spring. But with the offensive line, like I've said from the beginning, like I don't think you should have high expectations, but them just being together and being able to bank reps here. Yeah. And as and, long as these guys are staying healthy, and the big thing I'm going to be looking for Saturday because we never know about anything like injuries, Nick, but we get a good good idea at like these open practices mm-hmm. when guys are out of the lineup, and then you're like, oh, maybe they haven't had this guy for a little bit or this or that. And so that's kind of weird. We might we, learn on Saturday. We found out about Vito when he just wasn't at practice, and it was like, oh yeah. yeah. Kicked them off the team. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But uh, to your point about that offensive line, that was something that Ox noticed today. He's like just having the the same guys in there. That's something we've definitely hit on 11 personnel previously about having your kind of core four there. You're still figuring out right tackle. But there there is a a solid consistency there. I I mean, to move on, to kind of put a bow on 
the angry soups talk, the leadership talk, all that sort of stuff. Like, I, I this isn't a long term indication, but I think it is. The standard is the standard, but everybody yep. has to know what that standard is. And this is Mark Stoops letting them know transparency. There needs to be transparency, right? Exactly, and that's why players like him, right? Like he's he's not going to just like James Franklin, yappity do do his little like put on a show for everybody, right? Um, you know what Mark Stoops is thinking, right? He he right. is not shy about it. And um, from my understanding, from what I heard happened at that practice, a lot of it was just basic practice habits that were not not being followed for the lack of a better term. Like you have, this is how we do things. It was, and some it was a Saturday started. morning. They were going through the motions. I mean, yes. I, I have a good feeling. I know what happened in that practice. Yeah. I, the, the pro day guys are there the night before you, you get yeah. to sleep in, right? You're not getting up uh, for a seven 30 AM practice. It's probably like 10 o'clock start time. So you're, you're hanging out with your guys. You kind of going through the motions. Like it happens. So, uh, I, I, long term, I don't, I don't see any issue. Um, but moving forward, I think there have been some, you know, that's one of the many valuable lessons that this team has learned throughout the early portions of spring practice. Uh, Tavion Robinson spoke with us this week and he talked about the lesson he learned last year. And I thought it was very mature of yeah. him to go out in public and say, you know, like, when things don't go your way, you can't let it affect what you're giving to the team. And I let that happen last year. Um, he, he expected to play for Liam Cohen. Said he gets Rich Scangarello. He has a couple big games at the start of the year, but then his role is just slowly diminished throughout the season. And he was upset with it. Um, we didn't – he wasn't even on the sideline for senior day, uh, I don't think, against Louisville. So he's like, you know, we're, we're moving forward, clean slate – Swipe it under the rug. And, and I, I think there are – he's not the only one um, that's going to benefit from having this clean site. Like Isaiah Cummings could be another guy, right, where um, you at least feel like this team is taking their medicine, but there is going to just be those lumps that every team has to go through when you're practicing 15 times and you're not playing anybody, <laughs> you know, not, not, not mm-hmm. preparing to play a game. Yeah, there's been talk about – you know how the, this is going to be really good for the receivers overall, just because they're getting so many reps now, where there won't be a ton of reps available in the fall when they get in the team settings. Because one, you got to get the ass kicker in there. Two, you know Bates and Jordan Dingle are going to have a big role too, as well. So in your personnel packages, you're just not going to have as many reps. If y'all to get aren't guys- sure who the ass kicker is, that's Josh Katz. <laughs> Okay. Is that I mean, is, we got to get me the ass kicker moving forward. Who, who is our who's our t-shirt company, Nick? Like, we got to get an ass Kentucky kicker. Branded. T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to get an ass kicker t-shirt. Ain't, ain't signed him up. We just need a stiff arm to the face. Yeah, ass kicker. You already have the picture. I mean, like you know, you already have the model off off that photo. Just just do it. I'm I'm making you money. Like that that shirt is just gonna <laughs> sell. Just get ass kicker shirts. Let's do it. What are we waiting on? So, yeah, I think this is important for the receiver. And I've talked about the Kel Crowdis. You know, I think it's a huge spring for him. If Anthony Brown's going to play, I think they're going to know here when they leave spring practice here in a few weeks and wrap up. Um, all of that, it's big for all of those guys, I think. And for Tavion, like, Nick, we heard some stuff. Not great. About what, you know, how the end of the year went. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he was the biggest fan of Rich Gangarello. Um, I think he's not in the minority with that. 
you know, we hurt with the kill. Instead of Scangarello's play calling, you know. So I don't think the receivers in general like loved how everything worked out. And Tavion like it's, it's now or never for him, right? Yeah, you know, right, right. He right. entered last year on the track to have a good year and be a draft pick. And then he had his worst career year as a true senior last year. So now if he's going to get back on that track, he's got to have a big season. I mean, it's a big year. It's a contract year for him in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. And so it's – I think that self-reflection, like saying that, I think – not a lot of guys would do that. So I think that's a good sign for him that he knows last year yeah. was not acceptable and he's trying to fix fix that. Because I, I guarantee there's some trust he's got to earn. Or he may have earned it back already, but there was some trust probably he had to earn back in that building and some things he probably had to do um, for him to – you know, I'm sure they were happy to have him back, but last how it ended last year just – that's not – you know, you talk about the standard as a standard. That's not the standard. No, no, not at all. And so it's at least, at least good to hear that, that things are – progressing him in the right way and I think that's kind of the power of Cohen too man like yeah. he just got a he's just got guys believe and buy in to him and they're coached way different like you're just gonna see that on Saturday uh, how he's just more of a like, he comes off as very player friendly coach I think um, but he knows like when to push buttons like I think he does a good job of when to get in when to get on a guy and when to not. And he's got a really good grasp, I think, seeing him in practice settings of really kind of coaching the whole group where not yeah. just being the quarterback guy, not just being the, like the right. supervisor overseeing. It's really being very hands-on. Because you and, and, and you, you, even though he is a coordinator, you want that from your position. Like that's – Mark Stoops is supposed to be the supervisor, you know. That's kind of back and then – interjects when need be and I, and I think the other thing uh with Liam too is he's not he's not some omnipotent I just know better than you like he's very willing to admit when he messes up and, and I, I that 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 sort of vulnerability um is also relatable and it makes it it, it makes you know that like you, you're on the same page right that that, that the players Absolutely. and coaches are, are all on the same page together so I'm I'm excited. Before I, I kind of we get into a rundown of kind of players that, uh, if you haven't seen them before, could really pop when you're at practice. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. But I do want to go over some more uh, spring practice intel of just kind of what we've heard and, and what we've learned about this team so far. Like it while you gather your thoughts, I just think it's important to note that Ray Davis is a very good scheme fit, and it took two weeks which I think is a reasonable amount of time, but it took him a little bit. But I think he, he finally has picked up the flow of where to find holes with the offensive line because, uh, as he said, you know, if you take a step in the wrong direction, like the the, the play will break a different way. I, they've seen some growth this week. Um, and, and part of it that took even longer is they don't have the ass kicker in there. They don't have Brendan Bates. Like, it helps playing outside zone with those dudes on the edge um, to be able to open up some cutback lanes. So I, I, I think, you know, I, I'm still kind of to your point about the offensive line. Like, are they going to be top five Joe Moore award finalists? No, but the the running game is certainly starting to look more like the running game that Kentucky fans expect to see from a Mark Stoops football team. 
Yes. Um, just for those who read KSR Plus, you know about his scheme fit already. We talked about the, or wrote a, or had an article about Davis earlier, kind of ex- describing why he fits Kentucky. And pretty much it's just he's the mold of the similar mold of kind of tier backs. Rodriguez, Nell, and Ray Davis would be kind of in the same tier. Uh, if I was ranking them, I'd probably have Davis three, but he fits just what they want. Uh, he comes from a zone heavy scheme at Vanderbilt, and he he just has good feel, vision, and kind of understanding of how to work and how to find the creases and the cracks, when to slow down, when to speed up, when to stay patient. And, and on, on contact, he does a good job of moving his body. He's not really, I would say, a, just a total thumper. He's going to knock people over. But he does a good job of just sliding, um, shifting his feet, spinning on contact to get to, fo- to allow himself to fall forward and get an extra yard, half yard, half one and a half yards. When those, then those add up, I think over time, and he just fits what Kentucky wants. I think last year, Nick, outside of Rodriguez, they just there was there was a lot of running into linemen's backs. Right, there was a lot of like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like the feel yeah. wasn't great with some of the other guys on the roster um, of when of when to go, when to attack, when to get north and south, when to maybe wait a little bit, hesitate on a run. Uh, it just was, they played like an inexperienced running back room last year, um, and this year I think you're gonna Davis is gonna at least give them a certain level of floor. I think with him in the lineup, if you know what you're gonna get a little bit with him. I don't, you know, do I think Ray Davis is gonna be an all SEC tailback here? No, but I think he raises the floor of the group, and I think when he's in the game, and if it's blocked right, he's going to get you the yards expected. You know, if you got if you pick if you pick up everything, he's going to get you five, six, seven. Uh, if a linebacker runs the wrong way, he can go get you twelve, fifteen. Or if the linebacker takes a bad angle, he can go get you twelve, fifteen. He's not going to bust off a fifty-yard gain. I don't, I don't think at any point, but he's going to get you what you blocked for. And that, Kentucky didn't get that a lot of times last year. Um, early in the season that they had things blocked up that they didn't gain the yards they needed to on that. And I think that in turn, I think that kind of hurt the offense line early in the season. When you, when you're doing some things right and you still aren't gaining yards and then everybody just kind of points to you um, that can kind of hurt a group's confidence. And I think when Davis, right. What Davis assures you is he's going to get you um, the yards you need and, Get a situation for him in an offense where you need to turn out a few first downs. You've got a back, I think, uh, that they feel confident can do that. So I think he fits a lot of needs for Kentucky, and I think there's there's reasons to be excited for him. Like um, like he's never reached five yards per rush, Nick, in his career. He's been under five every year, two years at Temple, two years at Vanderbilt. But you can make the case Vanderbilt offensive line was worse than Kentucky's last year, and and. In their two SEC wins, he had huge games against Kentucky and Florida. And so if he can give you a couple of those 100-yard games, and he had another big game against South Carolina. Um, so he he did some damage against SEC defenses behind maybe not the greatest offensive line play. So that is that gives you at least yeah. something to look forward to, I think, next year. Uh, on the chat, Kentucky Cats asked uh, about uh, Grant Bingham's development, um, a guy who – He's known to play angry and with an edge. Is he is he doing that? Uh, I Bingham's a classic Kentucky football recruit. Slow cooker. Like a, 
Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't expect anything till at least year three. Um, and if he was going to play a role this fall, I think Tanner Bowles bringing him in kind of, for lack of a better term, took that that spot bucket. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was on the he was second on the depth chart for the Music City Bowl. Uh, but the Bowles thing is big here, like he said. Eli Cox shipped him back to right guard, kind of not mm-hmm. dropped. Drops him down a peg. Yeah, you added Horsey back to his spot. You know, it's just going to. Yes. So, right, right. You added two guys, right? That hurts him. And I think he's behind, clearly behind Paul Rodriguez. I think this stat, I think Yenzer kind of likes Paul Rodriguez. And Rodriguez, too, running, is what? He's a year older. You're, yeah, exactly. You know, so we, and that's kind of how this thing works. So, it just it just yeah. takes some time. Takes some time. So, but yeah. I, I'm not this is gonna like, be worried enough, at all, <laughs> you know. You, Grant, it's another development year for Grant Bingham. Do not expect him yeah. uh, to play many snaps this year. Um, and then we'll we'll see next spring where he's at. Uh, but yeah, he's just got to, he's in the slow cooker development plan. And so we'll see next year where he's at. And that's really kind of where he stands from where I'm sitting. Uh, if, if there's one other big kind of thing you've learned about the team this spring practice, what, what, what would that be? I, I'm really high on the defense, man. Like, I think they can be pretty good. Cornerback is kind of a worry. Right, right. Kind it of should be. opposite Phillips. But safety, I think you should feel very good. Like, I don't know if Jordan Lovett, Zion Childress, or Jalen Geiger, any of those are like top of the line SEC safeties, Nick. But they're all like, if you're for those Madden players, they're all like 75, 76, 77 rating. Right, where they're just like, Rock solid, you know, like you're just you don't worry about, you know, if you're playing Madden, that guy's not he's not missing a bunch of tackles or getting burned like they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, and I think you got three of them back there and you can kind of tinker with them. I think Geiger could play some nickel for you. And then you got Alex Safari, who I think is going to be kind of your essential sandball off ball Sam linebacker who's going to kind of play their medium position. He's going to be a big part of the defense. So like that safety position, they can do a lot of different things. You just look at that defensive line, man. They're going to be huge on that defensive line. And not necessarily from a mass standpoint. They are going to be big. I mean, Deion Walker, <laughs> Keyshawn Silver, um, and Josiah Hayes is 315-plus. But length-wise. Yeah, a lot of length. You could, play a, you could play a defensive line of Saunders, close Saunders that filled in, Deion Walker at boundary tackle, Keyshawn Walker at nose. Those are all guys 6'4", six, 6'5", six, with long arms. Like that's just that's just kind of what they want, I think, in this scheme, and that's I think that can make a big difference and make things easier for some of these for those two off ball linebackers. Then you got JJ Weaver, who I think if he stays healthy, he'll just be a very good edge mm-hmm. defender. Uh, whether he bolsters the pass rush a ton, it's to, to be determined. But he is he is very very good at setting the edge against the run. And then like we talked about at safety, and then Brad Brad, I mean. We, you know how at least I feel and you feel about Brad White. I mean, he's he's up there if you were going to rank coordinators in college football. And so you add all that together, I just think there's a lot to like. Uh, and staff continuity, too, like with White. All the defensive coaches are back. Yeah. They didn't lose any defensive coach. And, you know, there was a thought maybe they could move on from two. They decided to re-up with Amar Stewart and Chris Collins for two more years. You know, mm-hmm. Mike Stoops is in year two as a linebacker's coach. Buffano, was this his third year? As a full-time position coach? Sounds right, yeah. And so, 
everything is in place on that side. I just think like this should be a legitimate top 25 defense again, no doubt about it. And now that you can bank that and kind of sharpie that in there to me, then that's the offense. If you can get the offense to the top 35, top 30 level, then you're like pushing top 15 team. And the top 15 team is a team that can go win 10 games. And so I think really the news, like we all know the offense potential and it's got to put it together, but the defense being what it is, what I've seen so far, I think is really kind of the story for me because they have at least one side of the ball where I feel good about them being top 25. And if the offense can approach that level, you add those two things together, Mm-hmm. That's a top fifteen team. A top fifteen team with Kentucky schedule can make a run at ten wins. Well, and I want to talk about some players in particular on that defensive side that you might not be accustomed to seeing make plays uh, when you go to spring practice this Saturday. But first, I do need to tell you about our friends at Louisville City FC. They're facing Lexington SC. That's right, Louisville versus Lexington. The two sides are colliding at Lynn Family Stadium, Wednesday, April 5th, 7 p.m. in the second round of the U.S. Open Cup. Look, it, this is one the, the one thing that's very cool about soccer. They have the, the tournaments where it's just like every league versus each other. And the U.S. Open Cup, it just throw them all in a pot, mix them up. It doesn't matter if you play in front of 100 fans or 100,000. They're all playing against each other in the U.S. Open Cup, um, which Louisville City's done pretty well in the past. They've made it. As far as the quarterfinals, and last year they, they won three games in the tournament. A lot of exciting action in Butchertown. Um, and now you can go watch uh, the two teams from Kentucky collide. That's Wednesday, April 5th, 7 p.m. Don't miss it on the pitch. And look, it, listen to this deal, too. $2 beers in the fan zone before the match. I mean, can't beat it any better than that? No, I don't think so. Call 502 Lou City. Or visit lucity.com slash tickets to get into the game at Lynn Family Stadium. Awesome venue uh, right there in Butchertown, right? You see it when you go by 64. Uh, the end zone area, too, where you can kind of just belly up. They got like this huge bar area. Very cool. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, do so next Wednesday. It's spring break. You probably don't have any plans yet. Um, so be a nice night to go watch Louisville City FC versus Lexington SC. Get your tickets at WooCity.com slash tickets. Look it. Players, numbers, you need to know. You already know about number zero, big Dion Walker. He's a big son bitch. There's no other way to put it. If you haven't gone up, like if you don't get there early to the games, if you're up in the, the upper deck and you just see from afar, be there and just stand on the sideline when he walks out. Dude is a monster. Same thing with, with Silver. Like those two guys, you just, you got to see him. <laughs> I just don't know. Any other way to put it other than they're enormous and you're going to want to just size them up in person. Um, that that alone gets the hamster wheels turning in my head, just like, oh, my God. Two things guaranteed to happen on Saturday. One, fans saying, oh, my goodness, Eon Walker is huge. Two, I didn't think Devin Leary, Devin Leary is a lot smaller than I thought he'd be. <laughs> There's, That'll be two it's, it's conversations. Two yeah. things that'll happen in 50, 60 conversation groups, uh, at least, on Saturday. <laughs> your group chats with all your friends. How, how they those look, two things man. will be discussed. Can't, can't believe Leary's that small. It's like, well, he's yeah. just not – I mean, we saw those pictures of Levis. The dude looked like a freaking bodybuilder. You know, like you just can't – you aren't getting that with every quarterback. Uh, but the other number that I really want you to, to focus on 
when you're watching the defense. I know that's not always the sexiest. So, you know, you, you like watching the receivers catch passes. When they go team period, just watch number 11, Zion Childress, flying around the ball, maybe talking a little bit of smack. He has been, if there's, if I have kind of how Jordan Love it was for me a year ago, where I was like, okay, yeah. this is the guy that's taking the leap. Uh, that's Zion Childress this year. He, he's he's going to be a player for him. Um, he's not shy either. He's a chatty Cathy. He was a guy they added in the spring uh, kind of portal window before it was a thing last year. It took him a while to kind of get his feet under him, right? Uh, you know, he kind of admitted he didn't know defense that well at Texas State. He was a quarterback that switched sides uh, of the football. He was just a true second-year player in the Sun Belt. And now he just knows defense better. He spent – he roomed with Ty Asian on the road trips. He kind of stuck to him like glue to – uh, find more uh, to, to learn more about the offense, learn how to watch film, what you're watching for. And so I, I, I think that guy is going to be, uh, I, I don't know if star, because like you said, are they going to be in all SEC players? I don't know. But I what I do know is he's going to be a solid football player that's going to have his nose around the football a lot this fall. So keep an eye yeah. on number 11 this Saturday. Yeah, just in his career, 37 games, 15 starts, 169 tackles. He's played over 1,700 defensive snaps, 11 pass breakups, one interception. Like, he's just played a lot of football. Mm-hmm. Um, in, the, in the year, Nick, he made, he, made, he made some plays that popped. Like, the Georgia game, there's a few plays. I've clipped them in an, in an article I wrote about Childress this week. Uh, he makes a great tackle on Brock Bowers' open field. Um, he fits the run on second and goal against Georgia. I mean, then he has that blitz against – he times a blitz up perfectly against Louisville and gets Malik Cunningham on the ground in space. Um, Cunningham was one of the most elusive players in college football, um, no matter what you think about him the last few years as a runner. And so there those some moments with him where it's like, oh, he can do some things. And you mentioned that football IQ part, as he grows in that aspect, that, that should only enhance um, his strengths as a player. And, yeah, I mean, he's a guy everybody talks glowingly about. To me, one of the more pleasant surprises, I think, has been Jagger Burton in the pivot. As he moves to center, we're just hearing some good things about him. And I think with Jagger, last year, Nick, he struggled in pass protection. PFF uh, put him – he gave up 15 hurries and six sacks. He was Kentucky, one of their weakest pass protectors on the team. And Kentucky shifted more to like a gap they were more gapped in zone last year in the run game, and I don't think that was necessarily Jagger's strength because that's mm-hmm. more vertical drive block, move, move bodies, uh, where he was more – he was always more an athletic yeah, zone yeah. kind of lineman. Cut out half. Think, move, cut their body in half. Just get your butt around him. So, yeah, with Cohen coming in, they're going to be more zone run team, I would expect. And in pass protection, he's not at center. He's not going to have to deal with kind of explosive defensive tackles. It's more he's going to go against against more road graders, and he's going to be more asked to help. Yeah, um, help. Keep your other. eye on the blitz, right? So <laughs> you look, you add those, level. you add those two things up. He's going to at center. There's more movement level blocking, whether it's reach blocks. They're going to probably use him as a puller, climb into the second level, and then in pass protection, the ability to just straight up power anchor against big time, quick, athletic, powerful rushers. It's not going to be needed as much. He still have to do it, but not as much. I think that adds up for him. He's a redshirt sophomore. He could be a multi-year answer at center. Sounds like things are going well for him. 
Um, I think that's a real big sign because if you get Cox and Horsey back at guard, Eli Cox, that is, at their natural positions, you get Burton in there to solve the center position. Then you got that interior three we talked about. We thought it would be fine last year, and it never really was. Well, now maybe they have the answers for that this year in yeah. 2023, and then it's just figuring out things at tackle. Which, when you go to practice, that watching offensive line play can, can be tough, especially to the untrained eye. So how they kind of have this uh, practice structured, right? You're going to start with an individual. Like You know, there's obviously wrinkles. Um, to every practice, but it starts with individuals. Um, and I always like watching the running backs because their footwork is going 100 miles an hour. And it'll they, they usually do that close to where the fans will be on the side of the field. Um, so that's that's kind of an easy thing to follow there. Then there'll be a portion of one-on-ones, which the receiver like that that that's where you get the fun receivers versus cornerbacks. The cornerbacks I think are at an obvious mismatch. Uh, they don't know where it's going. You're kind of putting them out on an island there, and you've got a quarterback as accurate as Devin Leary. It doesn't take much uh, for just give them an inch, and, and they'll take it. But those matchups with Barry on Brown, like having him against Maxwell Harrison, Drew Phillips, who do have uh, – I'm not going to say the same kind of speed, but they can keep up, right? So th- th- those will be very fun matchups. So during the one-on-one portions – while you do get a fired up line at sometimes right, like when JJ's going up against Marcus Cox or something like that, you'll get a bunch of emotion from those guys. The one on ones, the trash talk between those guys at, on the edges at receiver, that's that's where your your focus needs to be then because it's just a, just a lot of lot of chatter, right? A lot of chatter um, between those groups. Uh, you, you'll probably get some dudes in each other's faces. It's just it's fun. It's good, good, clean, wholesome fun. Yeah, and I think what you want, like in team period, here's what you want to watch if you're, especially in the run game with the offensive line. Like, are you seeing a lot of leakage? Is the defensive line just guys that not named Deion Walker? Are they getting behind <laughs> the line of scrimmage and yes. hell? If that's happening, that's not a great sign. Um, are you? Is it just a lot of one two yard runs, or are they able to um, find, crease them and get get a gain? Uh, Get to that is second level. Move, right, right. Is there any movement at all? Right. Is do you notice at all centers or guard getting to a linebacker and getting their hands on them? Or are mm-hmm. linebackers running free and making tackles? That is really what you're looking for. Um, big number zero Ooh. is gonna make plays on everybody. <laughs> right. He just says he's that and good. So I don't worry about him if I wouldn't say that's a a bad that wouldn't say that's necessarily a bad sign for the offensive line. If he's it's actually a good sign. If he's doing that, that's all right. He's got a chance to be a game wrecker for the defense. But the other guys, are they are they getting blocks? Are their double teams getting some level of movement? Are they able to find creases and gain gain positive plays? Or is the defense winning every rep? I mean, that's mm-hmm. really kind of what you're looking for in the run game. And the pass row can just be kind of hard. In a team yeah. setting because quarterback's not live. Uh, right. If you're, right, not, if you're asked a, about the pass rush today, and he's like, "Well, they haven't let us tackle the quarterback yet." So, yeah, you don't like you don't really know yeah. about your because like there's going to be an individual drill where they'll they'll have where I come from we call it blood alley. I don't know what it's called. I'm sure it's got another name where you just kind of it's just one on ones, and even that's not a realistic kind of. Yeah, yeah. Defense is a cre- game like yeah. Yeah. Defenses can create one-on-ones with their structure, 
But a lot of times it's not one, like you're getting help from somewhere or the other, or you're just not like you can't do an inside rip because you're just going to barrel into the center's show. Like the center is going to be right there. Uh, and so that, that is, it creates one-on-ones. And so what you can do, so the coaches really, they find out what you can do in a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that that's not necessarily real, like, that's heavy. That's lean towards the defense a little bit. And so, if an offensive lineman is winning in that drill, that's a pretty good sign. Um, consistently, if they're able to win in pass pass rush sets uh, and pass pro sets, and so that that's one you could watch. And then, I'd obviously, the team drill in the run game. That's another yeah. one you should watch. You'll get a lot of that. Like they'll do, they'll have a run drill where it's just linemen, and then they'll yeah, have obviously yeah. the the team scrimmage. And I, I would imagine they'll probably go long on the scrimmage here. Yeah, um, yeah. I really don't even know. It might just be a scrimmage. Practice. Like we might get a full scrimmage. I don't even know if we're yeah. going to get necessarily the individuals I, I, like we usually do in a practice. I was told today they were planning on scrimmaging. So yeah, um, that that makes that's, sense. That's, so we'll be good. you won't even get the team the individual stuff. We'll just get full on team. I would imagine they'll probably do a seven on seven period and then see full on scrimmage. The, the seven on seven period. Just watch Devin Leary fitting the ball in between. The ball placement and corners, yeah. His ball placement's incredible. Prepare to be wowed by that. And then, uh, I don't know how much they will do because of you know, it's the scrimmage day, right? They might take away some of the special teams' time, but that little drill where they have the gunners flying at the returners, that's just fun, <laughs> you know, it's just fun. Uh, which brings me to a question that we've gotten often in the chat is who's going to be Kentucky's place kicker? And that is a question that. We don't know the answer to. I will say Chance Poor was uh, he was hitting them when we were in the facility he the other day. Accurate, yeah. But uh, but that could be something. As Stoop said on KSR today, which if you haven't listened to it, go check out the podcast. Uh, you know the, the portal's going to be open game again, and they want to keep people, but they're still they have an opportunity to bring some in. Kicker could be one of those positions. Uh, right tackle uh, is another one, and then um, then you look at depth pieces and. Middle linebacker seems like one of them right now because there's just guys get hurt there and you you don't have a ton there. Right tackle. And then, yeah. Right tackle. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you got to get one of those. Uh, yeah. So th- uh, those are kind of the three that I'll be looking at. They have three spots. I would imagine, like it, that they have a little bit of attrition at, a, you know, one or two or three some, more yeah. guys leave. Uh, I would expect some offensive line attrition here, Nick. Yeah. yeah. They've got, let's see here. They got fifteen uh, offensive linemen on scholarship. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. They got nine quarterbacks. Um, some guys are young. Maybe we don't see it here, but at some point there's going to be some attrition in that room. Uh, so those would be two positions potentially. I will watch thirteen defensive linemen too. That's another one where I could see a guy or two maybe decide to what, leave. What, what has been encouraging there though? Josiah Hayes has seemingly got his stuff together. Which he needed yeah. to, but Justin Rogers leaving. And as Brad White said today, it's you've been here long enough, you've played enough football, time to turn it on. And um, you know, not everybody responds to that, but Hayes is, is has been taking that medicine appropriately. Yeah, I think um, you if if you were gonna go to the KSR transfer portal consulting firm for this decision, I would say Kentucky probably goes and finds a new starting place kicker. And I think they would hopefully they're hoping to try to find a starting caliber right tackle here in May. I think those are the top two goals. Then I think scholarship capital-wise, Nick, they're going to be at 82. And so they're going to have – and if you lose a couple guys, you're going to have room to spend. 
mm-hmm. on scholarships. Now they're probably get there's probably going to want to reward some walk-ons on the team. Yeah, yeah, and with also, some scholars. You don't want to use up too many scholarships. Like you could just save those scholarships for recruiting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So there, there is you do have to factor yeah. that into the equation. And so you can. So like my my thing is they have room available if like a quarterback pops open. Yeah, one year guy or something, or two, or a little bit of a project that loses in one of those spring competitions, and that gets me to uh, this little on the SEC segment. I've done some digging this week, Mm -hmm. gathered some intel at Georgia. Nick, like Carson Beck's probably going to win that job, Um, but early reports are that like Mike Bobo is really big on Gunnar Stockton, a redshirt freshman. I think they're from like the same neck of the woods in Georgia. So what that would do is if Gunnar Stockton emerges as like QB2 there, that puts Brock Vandergriff in an interesting situation. Former five-star recruit. believe mm-hmm. he'll be a redshirt sophomore this year. He's a guy to watch. I could think I could see entering the portal in May. And that that's going to be an evaluation that a lot of schools are going to need to make on him uh, to see if maybe they want to take a flyer on him. So that's one to watch. Uh, down at Florida, Nick, it sounds like Keontae Goodwin's running with the twos at right tackle. Hmm, so he's 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 somewhere there. Um, there was early reports that Graham Mertz was slinging it and killing it at Florida, but after their first scrimmage, it's been reported that it sounds like there's going to be a um, from our Gators online team and on three. There's going to be there's a little to Jack Miller, um, but I would expect Mertz to be the quarterback there. Uh, but it's not. I don't think it's a slam dunk. And then at Missouri, Missouri wrapped up spring camp like two weeks ago. Them damn App State guys, they, they don't want nothing to do with <laughs> I spring was, ball. I was unaware, so then I was like, oh, there's really no intel to get because spring practice is closed. Uh, I mean, but doing some- that's just stupid because you're wasting recruiting opportunities by getting it over with so fast. Yeah, maybe it's a thing. You know, Cardinals baseball, it's pretty big up there, so maybe they just want to get it done before. <laughs> then go to the Bush Stadium. And they Custom do something where the – the spring game is tied into some type of event up there in March, so they have like the spring game on that day. I can't remember what it's called. Um, so they all they've always, I think, operated to get it done early. Uh, they couldn't have like rain. They couldn't have a spring game, so they had to move to the indoor and just kind of do like a live scrimmage there because of weather or something. I don't know. Um, but oh, at Missouri, bad weather in Missouri in March. <laughs> <laughs> at, wow, Missouri, at, <laughs> at Missouri, Nick, like they've got this new offense coordinator, Kirby Moore, Kellen Moore's younger brother, came from Fresno State. Brady Cook's out. He had shoulder labrum surgery. By all counts, the quarterbacks kind of struggled, and the offense struggled during spring. And, like, the defense won everything. Um, but the defense is on paper should be pretty good. They got a very good secondary. They've got some pretty good guys on the defensive line. Blake Baker did a really good job with that group. So that's kind of where Missouri's at. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that they're a team that I could see maybe taking a look at quarterback in the portal if someone comes open um, for sure. And so, and then Auburn, everybody remembers Kentucky beat out Auburn for Devin Leary. People do remember Hugh, that. Um, I think Hugh Fre- Auburn fans Hugh Fre- get that. Hugh Freeze is giving multiple interviews and giving quotes about how he's not super pleased with the state of quarterback right now. Oh, and he, you mean Robbie Ashford isn't good <laughs> enough to start quarterback in the SEC? And uh. he, he met, he's mentioned in a quote, I think a story where Ross Dellinger wrote this week for Sports Illustrated, that – you know, we missed on two guys in the – you know, we, we had a couple guys in on the portal that we missed on. Um, one was Leary and the other was um, 
Coastal Carolina quarterback Grayson McCall, who was like a it's, it's I don't know weird a transcripts yeah. issue. Yeah, why he couldn't transfer, and so that has put them in a little the, bit of a a little bit the of body. prowess of Coastal Carolina is costing their quarterbacks. And the sides are there, like the sides are there with freeze. Like he's telling everybody to bet the season win total under. Um, he's saying that like their roster just has a long way to go. Now that could be total coach speak, but there's not like. You know, you kind of look at what the team did the past year, and there's there's some talent issues there at Auburn. Um, you're pulling up this quote right here. We have a ways to go to close the talent gap, Free says. I know how that comes across, and it's probably hurtful for some to hear in the locker room, but that doesn't mean I don't care about them. We're going to coach the heck out of them. They are ours. The truth of it is, from just watching workouts, we don't have the SEC-type depth right now that some others are playing with for whatever reason. One, he's just like throwing big-time pot shots at Brian Harson. Yeah, for not being able to recruit. Right. Two, like the recruiting, you know, Kentucky's got. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recruiting wins against them. Like it, this would have been a good year to have Auburn on the schedule. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Kentucky grew, draws Alabama. So that's just kind of where I think everything is sitting. Kind of digging into some things. Um, well, Missouri has offensive issues. You know, Florida is going to have some offensive issues potentially. Uh, and Florida's a team. I I just don't know, like, like it smells like a five, it could be a five and seven type team. And you look up their schedule, they play Utah, Florida State, in the non con. Both are going to be top 15, top 20 teams. They have to go to Kentucky. They have to go to South Carolina. They got Georgia in, in the neutral. They play, I think they play, I'm trying to think who they play in the, I think they play maybe, I think they maybe draw Arkansas or Ole Miss out of the West, one of those two. Then plus LSU. Uh, I think they have to go to LSU this year. Like, this schedule is, it's a brutal schedule for them. And offensively, there's like oh, they have no. some young freshmen that are going to be good. I think specifically a receiver. But yeah, I did. I wouldn't feel great about them. That's that's one. Like when you see season one total under, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like six. I think that'll catch a lot of people off guard. Florida's at six, but a lot of signs are pointing to them having potentially another losing season, which will be, I think, the third losing season in a row. Oh, gosh, it's just so disheartening. I just, yeah. oh no, really, just. Rubes my heart out, makes me sad. Um, but you did bring up recruiting. We need to wrap up with some recruiting talk. And you mentioned Auburn because could have a nice battle brewing with uh, – gosh, I'm going to butcher his name. We'll just call him Shaq McCoy. McCoy. Uh, a big 6'8", 340-pound offensive tackle that was on campus earlier this week from Pinson, Alabama. That's right in Auburn's prime recruiting territory. And – Kentucky was the first to offer. Uh, he said he describes UK as his day one school and feels like the Cats are in a really good place there. And they're having another big four-star offensive tackle visit on Saturday. So, well, I can't, we, we were talking just between us, like, man, it's been kind of quiet on recruiting. And it's almost like their ears were burning over there at the facility because we've been hearing some good news, right? Because offensive tackle was a position that they've struggled uh, to get their right guys, swings and misses with Goodwin, et cetera. They needed to get tackles in this class. They're, they're, they've, they're teeing it up uh, to move in the right direction, not only with offensive tackles, but there's also 
uh, and encouraging quarterback development today. Uh, Jake Merklinger committed to Tennessee. Well, okay, why, why is that a good thing for the University of Kentucky? Yeah, uh, on McRoy, I think that's a, a – Ginzer's running that recruitment. And he's got ties in Alabama. He's from there. We saw him go down there and land Khalifa Keith early before he kind of blew up. Like, I think that's a big recruitment for him. If he could get the kid, that would be huge, I think. Um, and then, right, okay, Jake Marker, top 100 quarterback from Georgia, class of 24, com- scheduled to commit Tennessee today. I think that's happened it did. already. It just popped, yeah, yeah, while we were on there. Jaden Davis is another high four-star quarterback. Michigan is a heavy favorite. He's scheduled to commit tomorrow, March 31st. Why is that important? Uh, the recruitment of Cutter Bowley, the top schools have consensusly been Kentucky, Tennessee, Michigan, with Notre Dame kind of lurking in fourth place. There is a thought that Bowley could look to reclassify. Yes. Even if he doesn't, they just took two top 100 caliber guys, two top-of-the-line quarterbacks. Signs are pointing, Nick, to Cutter Bowley committing to Kentucky soon. I have logged a RPM recruiting prediction machine pick on our uh, on three database today, and Nick had logged one about three weeks ago on RPM day for on three. Uh, what we are kind of hearing and reading the tea leaves is that this is going to happen, and potentially even soon. Per our database, Nick Bowley has visited four times this month. He's been in Lexington four times. You add up need for the position. Bully could potentially Mm -hmm. play pretty early here. He's on record. He really likes Cohen a lot. Right. That connection is strong. Multiple recent visits. Competition taking other targets. I think it's aligning for Kentucky to get a commitment from Cutter Bully here soon. And, Nick, that's going to be the first – like high four-star quarterback recruit to commit to them, blue chip prospects since Drew Barker. I mean, yeah, that decade. Um, he's got a chance to be the highest-ranked quarterback Kentucky has added from high school in the internet era. Um, we'll see how the final rankings shake out, but he's top twenty-five in the on-three industry ranking right now, which balances out everybody. So, like yeah. that is—he's borderline five-star prospect right and, now, and so that's where he's at. And could you know if he has a big finish. He could finish pretty highly ranked, and that's just a huge – it's a huge um, development because we talked about this, talked about it when Cohen was hired. You know, he needs to score points on Saturday, but, like, job 1A is to fix the quarterback recruiting, mainly high school. Uh, yeah, go because – portal every year. Got to get some guys from high school and develop them. So, like, there's there's going to be a uh, – you know, the athletic crunch the numbers, and 70% of the top 50 quarterbacks from – or quarterbacks in the top 50 over a four-year period transferred. Half of yeah. the SEC started transfers last year. But you got to land some high school talent. You just – it's inevitable. But here's the, – the tricky part is you got to land the good ones because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no offense to some of the other guys, but, like, that becomes more of a coin flip. I know Bo Allen was a four-star one good. service, but if you average him out, he was, like, 461. Right, and, and today, 461 is that. That's where you have either uh, you could have a Josh Caddis or a Benny Snell that really pops and blows up. But a lot of times, guys in that recruiting ranking in that uh-huh. that range, they just never play. And the only reason why we pay more attention is because it's at a position of need. And Kentucky just 
for the lack of a better term, for, you know, whatever, blame it on whatever you want. They have not recruited to the caliber. And rankings aren't the end-all, be-all. Now, Bowie has to go prove it. He has to gain weight. Uh, you know, like, he's got to work on some things. And a lot of the reason why he's ranked as high as he is is because he excels in a seven-on-seven uh, league, right, with his good seven-on-seven team. That's different than real football. So, like, there's no guarantee that if Cutter Bowie commits to Kentucky, he's going to be a – top three quarterback in the SEC and end up being in the NFL draft. That's not what we're saying. But he's at least of the caliber where those are the kind of guys that play on Saturdays in the SEC. He's got the tools. Yeah. He has the potential and the skill set to, to get there at some point and where you don't have to rely on the portal every year because you know, Kentucky's lucky, but you can have swings and misses a la Joey Gatewood. Yeah, uh, just first things first. In today's landscape, the quarterbacks you're talking about that Kentucky's been getting – they just get recruited over. Like, Will Levis is a perfect example of this. Like, he goes to Penn State and was like this mid to high three star prospect with high upside, but he was never going to really play at Penn State because they were Clifford was ranked higher. It was a bigger recruiting win. They had him just as a better prospect evaluated. And then if something ever happened to Clifford, they could just go in the portal and get a guy. Like, it was probably going to be hard for Levis to ever play there. And the guys Kentucky have getting, they're just going to always recruit over them with transfers now that they can go and get transfers. That's just always going to happen. Uh, and so if you don't – so you have to get the the guys you think are good right away, and they're going to play, like, early. Like, Cutter Bully is going to play. Like, he'll probably be a starter in year two. If he's not, he's going to want to leave. Like, that's just how the game is played right now. Yeah. And so for Kentucky, at least you have – like, you can always go get a transfer, Nick. Like, you can always evaluate him, and if he's not it, you can always go get a transfer and change. Now they have they have more options. And another thing getting a quarterback like this does, when you get a quarterback of this caliber, it helps you recruit the rest of your class. Guys want to yeah. play with dudes like this. And so he's going to attract talent. Like when Drew, they got Drew Barker in the hole, that helped that become a top 25 recruiting class back then. Mm -hmm. um, there's, you know, Louisville with Pierre Clarkson last year. It's a perfect example of that. Like right. he's going to attract players. And if you get him in the fold super early, like, this potentially could do it could really help you build some big re recruiting momentum in 24 and 25 and start to get things rolling. And so it's just a big deal from multiple aspects. One, it answers your, you get a high upside guy that big time schools wanted and you get him as kind of your, your potential franchise cornerstone quarterback. Mm -hmm. Two, you give yourself options down the road when you have to replace the guy after Leary, because they're going to have to go to portal again to replace the guy after Leary. And and that, like a Vandergrift guy who's three years right, in, like, like like that, that, that could be a perfect. Yeah, I mean, watch what happens. In between, you know. Watch what happens at Alabama with Jalen Monroe and Ty Simpson. I think Saban's yeah. going to slow play that. That's probably going to be a decision after the season. Um, Ohio State, Devin Brown, and mm -hmm. um, what's the other guy's name? Uh, the guy from Philly that I like, Kyle McCord. Um, yeah. So, uh, like, you know, just watching all of those and seeing how all those develop. Um, and then, uh, so it gives you, right, it gives you recruiting bump. Cool. It gives you options at, at quarterback. And then it helps your recruiting. Like, it's a win-win-win on a lot of different levels. And it helps eliminate, like, they can't recruit quarterback, whatever. You get an in-state prospect like this. It's a big yeah, deal, man. I think, in-state. Um, to really create some buzz, and it's just a big deal overall, and it's a another big win, I think, for Cohen. Like he just keeps stacking these big wins, and it'll just be a 
great development, I think, overall for the program. It will really create some buzz. And, Nick, last year they had no buzz recruiting. Right, like we went right. months with, like, what's going on here? You know, it closed it, hard, but, yeah, it was yeah, it was a little dry there in the summer. Um, one other thing, too, to consider, they're recruiting Stone Sanders and Ryan Montgomery, who Montgomery's supposed to be on campus today. If I, I don't know how Bully would go about it, but if he said straight out, like, yeah, I'm going – I'm reclassifying, like, you – you could still recruit those guys consistently, yeah. right? So, like, it doesn't eliminate those options either. So, yeah. um, hopefully, uh, Bowie gets the the dice out, gives it a good old roll. We're hearing good things. Um, it's just – it's nice. It's nice. We were a little worried about the recruiting buzz or lack thereof, and things are, are seemingly moving in the right direction. I put a RPM pick in this week for Gavin Grover, too. Um, you know, Kentucky has some other tight end options, but it, it, it feels like the – you know, I'm not going to shoot my shot, but like if you you could see that being a all right, let's let's start picking up some momentum in June and then Grover get the ball helps. rolling in Ohio. Exactly, exactly, because there are a lot of talented dudes. Terry Nichols was a guy. Like shout out to Vince for getting on that guy early because he was like a top 300 guy uh, that mm-hmm. didn't have much buzz at all. He was on campus this week, so things are moving in the right direction, Mr. Luckett. Things are moving in the right direction. No doubt. Uh, so I think this is where we leave you. Um, we're going to go, but uh, we're going to take NBC Bank with us with the Go NBC app. Make sure you download it. Bank on your phone. Bank anywhere. 128 years of experience. Your local bank, Monticello Bank. Um, and like it, you will be out at spring practice today. Uh, unfortunately, I have a it's spring break. I've got some family stuff pre-planned, so I will be. I will be handling Mark Stoops' comments. Hopefully he's not as pissed off this time around. Uh, but you'll be our eyes and ears on the ground. Stephen Peake will have highlights there. We'll have plenty of photos as well of the practice. So plenty of coverage. Go say hi to Luckett. The Blue Lot's open. It's all free. If it's bad weather, they'll move it inside. they got some bleachers in there. It's not as big as it will be once they get the, the field house redone. But it um, uh, should be an exciting time if you don't have spring uh, plans to go watch the Wildcats in action this Saturday. Uh, starting at 11.45, gates open at 11.15. So let's get out of here. For Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Karouch. Go Cats and uh, go Kroger. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.